Good to be with you this morning. I uh, didn't anticipate it being exactly like this, uh, but I'm still excited about the opportunity to share with you um, a message that I believe God has uh, given to me. Uh, before I get started, I want to take just a couple of minutes since I have the opportunity to, to say thank you to some people. As uh, you all know, we've spent, I don't know, 15 or 16 weeks with uh, most people watching online, and um, while um, I know Brother Jeff has been quick to thank me and, and Susie and a couple others that have been in the room, it's taken a full team effort. And so just bear with me for, for a minute while I say thank you to a few people. Um, I just, Bobby and uh, Aaron and Jeff and Dad and Sydney have been flexible with me as I've come up with different ideas to try to help keep the online services engaging is uh, obviously not always been something that we're used to but uh, i appreciate them for not telling me that i'm crazy and just going with my ideas sometimes and uh, i hope that it's been a blessing to you uh, if you don't know andrew watts andrew is uh used to work for war eagle productions and has a lot of experience in uh broadcast and video and he's been the uh, probably against his will been willing to answer my phone calls almost every time I've called and uh, has spent many hours up here with me trying to figure out things as we've been uh, working together um, and so I'm very appreciative of him uh, Tim and Donna and uh, Tim Blackman and Donna Wynn uh, took over for Susie and I one week for us to be able to take a break and be away and I'm appreciative of team members that uh, that are willing and able to help so that um, we can continue uh, to have services. Um, many of you have commented to me over the past few weeks uh, how appreciative you are of the video um, option because you're still not able to come and, and I just want you to know that Killian Blackman has jumped into that role uh, and graciously done anything I've asked and has made sure that we were able to put out a service um, that was high quality where you're still able to get a, a great experience even if you're at home and and to be honest he's done it with about three minutes of training and then I was on to the next task and so the next time you see Killian or you see Tim and Sandra or Miss Becky make sure you let them know how much you appreciate uh, his willingness to serve and then I gotta say thank you to Susie. She didn't know she was gonna marry a media guy, and if she had known that, she might have put a disclaimer that she was not willing to help, but she spent many, many hours with me editing video and audio and helping to make sure uh, that, that the words and that the points and all the different things show up on the live stream and gone obviously above and beyond what uh, she should have had to do uh, to help uh, put together these uh, online services and so um, obviously I'm thankful for her for what she means to me but I'm also thankful for how she's come alongside me and uh, in, in supported me in my ministry over the last several weeks and so um, now that I've kind of gotten all that all out of the way um, again I'm just glad to be here uh, this morning I'm gonna be using a text that to be completely honest I'm a little nervous about there's a lot of names and I'm not a, a good reader all of the time and I sure don't always know how to pronounce the names but if you'll bear with me as we work through this passage I believe 
that it's got some great lessons for us. Uh, I don't know about you, but most likely there's somebody in your family that uh, likes genealogy. You may be that person. Uh, in my family, it's my dad's cousin. Um, he knows more about my dad's side of the family than anybody should ever want to know. He keeps the family history available online. Um, and that's genealogy research is something that my brother and I kind of share a passion for. We're not maybe as into it as some people, but we enjoy going down the rabbit hole of where our family has come from uh, and, and what different people in our family have done. And um, I won't bore you with a lot of genealogy uh, history about my family, but I'll give you one quick fact. Um, as many of you know, we moved to Auburn uh, almost 20 years ago from a small town in Arkansas called Magnolia. Uh, it's really what I consider my home most days. And, uh, you know, it's probably not the greatest town. Probably if most of you went there, you'd wonder why anybody would want to live here. But as a part of my brother and I's research, we found out that, that Mallory and Mark and I were the sixth generation of our family to live in Magnolia or in Columbia County in that area of South Arkansas. And all across that area, there's family and there's history and moments in our family that, that we can see. And, and as we learned that, obviously our uh, feelings, or at least my feelings for that uh, community grew even stronger. It feels even more like home. And, and you all have uh, those places in your life as well. And as important as genealogy is to us, it was incredibly more important to the first century Hebrew. Um, as we read this passage this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to read the first 17 verses, and I'll be completely honest with you. Normally, when I come to a list of names like this, I skip them, or I at least maybe skim them, uh, but I don't spend a lot of time reading over them. Um, it's not necessarily that they're unimportant. Obviously, there's a reason that they're in there, but for whatever reason, for me, I just it's a list of names and I move on and, and I was challenged a few weeks ago I started uh, a new devotional through the book of Matthew and I was the first couple of days challenged us to sit in this passage of scripture and actually read and study this passage of scripture and what I learned was that uh, Matthew put this here for a reason and so um if he put it in there for a reason for the first century reader, then it's probably in there for a reason for us today. Uh, in fact, I know it's in there for a reason uh, for us today. And so what I want to do is uh, I want to read through this passage of Scripture, and then I want to make uh, a couple of observations and, and maybe see if we can pull out a few lessons that we can use to apply this this passage, this list of names that maybe we've often overlooked or at least just skimmed through. And so um, hopefully by now you've turned to the first chapter of Matthew, um, and I'm going to read it. And again, I'm probably going to stutter and stumble over some of the names, but bear with me as we read this together. Reading from Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shetiel, and Shetiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Elikim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Matin, and Matin the father of Jacob. And Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So all the generations of Abraham to David were fourteen generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, fourteen generations, and from the deportation of Babylon to the Christ, fourteen generations. Whew, a lot of names. Uh, but I want to just point out a an observation before we get started, and then I want to give you a few, um, a few observations about the names. Uh, this genealogy was very intentional by Matthew. Um, this is not a complete genealogy. Uh, there were more than these generations between uh, Abraham and Jesus, but what uh, what Matthew did was a. Uh, a Jewish uh, Hebrew tradition called gematria, which is basically where they would take the the number or would assign a number value to the Hebrew letters and uh, use that to form a pattern. and And in this case, uh, Jesus, being the son of David, David DVD, uh, the gematria uh, translation would be four six four, the numerical numbers of uh, the Hebrew letters, and, and that adds up to 14. And so if you look at this, then Matthew placed these names in groups of 14, and David was the 14th on the list. And if you were a first century Hebrew reader, immediately you would realize that Matthew was going to great lengths to confirm to you that Jesus was from the lineage of David. And that is of the utmost importance because a first century Hebrew would know that the Messiah 
had to come from the line of David. And so Matthew, from the very beginning of his gospel, is making every effort to show that Jesus is the Christ and that he has come out of the line of David to establish an eternal kingdom. And, and so for the first century Hebrew, this list would, of names would immediately tie Jesus to the eternal throne. And so with that kind of history lesson, I want to look at some specifics and some observations about the people in this list of people. And so the first observation I believe we can make from this list of people is that God uses faithful people. And so we can make a quick, quick glance through and we're going to see names that we know and names that we don't know, but we see good names and bad names. And the first set of names that we can see are faithful people. And so uh, just a quick glance through, uh, here's just quickly here are 10 uh, that we could look at. Abraham is listed, and we know in Hebrews chapter 11 it says that by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Which brings us to the second name, we see Isaac, who also we know in Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter of Hebrews, by faith Isaac. Uh, blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. We see Jacob, as we keep reading, who in Hebrews 11 again says when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. And then we see Ruth, and uh, there's a whole book about Ruth. And um, But in Ruth chapter 1, she says, Where you go, I'll go, and where you stay, you'll stay, and your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. David, the king, is listed, and, and obviously we know a lot about David, but um, David, we know in Samuel, it was described that he was the man after God's own heart. David's son, Solomon, the king, who wrote Ecclesiastes, we know who God offered him anything that he could have, and he asked God for wisdom. Uh, and God said in 1 Kings that he will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there has never been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. King Asa, in 1 Kings, it said he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Jehoshaphat said that in Chronicles, it says that the Lord was with him um, in, as he walked in the ways of his father. Josiah, another king of the Israel, uh, in 2 Kings, it says, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart. Hezekiah, in 2 Kings, it says, He trusted the Lord. Quickly skimming through, we've seen just these ten, and there I'm sure there are more, that, that God found faithful and devoted and used them to do his work. And so God uses faithful people. But um, as you le read through this list, you also see that um, there's some failures in this list. And so the second observation we make is that not only does God use faithful people, God uses people who, at least in our eyes, appear to be failures. And, and there's several bad apples, so to speak. Uh, just quickly, there's Rahab. And, and we know Rahab and how God uh, used her to hide the spies, but um, 
even in the midst of that, before that, Rahab was a prostitute. In fact, in six of the eight mentions of Rahab in the Bible, she's described as Rahab the prostitute. And so there is moral failure in her life. In Ahaz, uh, in the story of Ahaz, he was a, a king of Israel. He was, or he was one of the evil kings. And uh, we know that he worshipped pagan gods. And eventually he self-destructed and he died and he was buried as a king with no honor. Uh, Manasseh was one of the longest rulers of the Israel uh, kingdom. He ruled for 55 years. He was the king of Judah and he ruled for 55 years. And it says in scripture that he worshipped the sun and the moons. He sacrificed a child to a pagan god. He killed anyone who was against them. In 2 Kings 21, verse 9, it says, Manasseh led them astray so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. And so Manasseh was an evil person, a failure as a king. And these are just three bad apples, and there are more. We could spend whole days speaking on... Uh, on Judah and his incestuous relationship with Tamar. We could talk about Bathsheba and David, and uh, we could talk about Rehoboam, who was a, an evil king. And, and most of these would want none of them to be in our family tree. We would want to clean our history of them. Uh, but there's a reason, I believe, that, that Matthew included them in, in this genealogy, this family tree. And, and it's to to remind us that God can continue to use our failure. And so he uses faithful people. He uses failure. He also uses the forgotten. Uh, many of these names, this may be the only place that we've heard about them. Um, and so I saw uh, one of the notes as I was studying it, talked about Ram and said that the only thing we know about Ram is now there's a truck named after him. And, uh, you know, it's funny because it's true we don't know much about Ram uh, or Hezron or Achim or Zadok or the list goes on and on but for whatever reason God has included them as he inspired Matthew to write this genealogy uh, he, he included them for a reason and so, um, so we learn that sometimes even people that are going to be forgotten um, can, are used by God to fulfill his purpose. And so uh, now that we've kind of made some observations, let me give you just a couple of quick lessons um, that I think we can see from this passage of Scripture. First, all of history is his story. Uh, everything that's taken place before now, everything that's taken place right now, and everything that will take place is being used as a part of God's glorious plan. Uh, in this list of people, we see uh, all sorts of people who are involved in, in different areas of history, and they were all being used to accomplish God's purpose of bringing salvation through the line of David. And he brings that, per that salvation through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been watching with us or you've been here over the past few weeks, we know that we've been talking about Moses and Israelite, the Israelites as they've escaped Egypt uh, and began their, uh, trans, their um, journey across the wilderness. 
uh, as they go to uh, the place that God has prepared for him. And um, as I was thinking about history and as we're studying this idea that all of history works to accomplish God's plan, I read this quote, uh, and and I, I think it's useful for understanding, and I think it's very applicable applicable to what we've been studying as a church over the past few weeks. It says, The genealogy of Jesus is marked by gross sin, blatant idolatry, captivity in Egypt, captivity in Babylon, succession of flawed kings and hostile enemies, yet God's plan is carried out to completion. It's if God is saying, The famine in Egypt could not starve my people. 400 years of slavery in Egypt and yet another in 70 in Babylon couldn't shackle my plan. Murder, corruption, and idolatry cannot stop my plan. And as I thought about the genealogy and I thought about the passages we've studied over the past few weeks as we've read the book of Exodus, it became increasingly clear, and the second kind of observation that I want to make is that this genealogy and what we've been studying is is just evidence of the grace of God. Uh, Jesus came to save sinners. He didn't come to redeem the righteous, which is why the Pharisees had such a problem with them. Um, it, Rick Warren said that the worse you are, the better a candidate you are for God's grace. And, and we see that through the different people that are listed. We see that through some of the stories that we've studied over the past few weeks as we've uh, talked about the... Uh, Israelites in their uh, their uh, uh, journey from Egypt. Um, the beauty of this genealogy today for us is that uh, most likely we fall in one of these areas of people. Maybe we're being faithful. Maybe we know we're a, a failure. There's something in our life. Maybe we feel forgotten. Maybe we feel like we're not important. The beauty of this reminder is that God's grace is the same for all. Christ came to save each of us. And so the last kind of point that I want to make is that there's nothing that you can do or that you have done that will keep you from being able to join the family tree of Jesus, to see your name written in Jesus' lineage. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story that I read this week from Randy Alcorn, which he wrote in the book, the Grace and Truth Paradox. And um, it's a story about Wesley Allen Dodd, who was um, a serial killer in the, North, in the Northwest and who was executed in the early 90s. And, and Alcorn writes this. He said, Wesley Allen Dodd tortured, molested, and murdered three boys in Vancouver, Washington, 15 miles from our home. Dodd was scheduled to be hung, the first U.S. hanging in three decades, shortly after midnight on January 4, 1993. At dinner that evening, both our daughters, then 11 and 13, prayed earnestly that Dodd would repent and place his faith in Christ before he died. I agreed with their prayer, but only because I knew I should. I stayed up and watched. Reporters from all over the country crowded around. Twelve media representatives were first-hand witnesses to the execution. When they emerged 30 minutes after Dodd died, they recounted the experience. One of them read Dodd's last words, quote, I had th thought that there was no hope and no peace. I was wrong. I have found hope 
and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Gasps and groans erupted. You could see and hear the angel anger. How dare someone who had done anything so terribly say he has found hope and peace in Jesus? Did he really think that God would let him into heaven after what he had done? Shut up and go to hell, you child killer. You won't get off so easy. The idea of God offering God's the idea of God's offering grace to Dodd was utterly offensive. And yet, didn't Jesus die for Dodd's sins just as he did for mine? No sin is bigger than the Savior. Grace is literally not of this world. I struggled with the idea of, save, of God saving Dodd only because I thought too much of myself and too little of my Lord. I'd imagine the distance between Dodd and me as the difference between the South and North Poles, but when you consider God's viewpoint from light years away, the distance is negligible. In my standing before a holy God apart from Christ, I am Dodd, and that thought horrifies me, but it is true. This isn't hyperbole, it's biblical truth. Unless we come to grips with the fact that we're of the same stock fallen humanity as Dodd and Hitler and Stalin, then we never appreciate Christ's grace. You say you want justice, you want Dodd and them like him to get what's coming to them. Be careful. Are you also willing to take what you have coming? My sin and yours, including our self-righteousness, righteousness nailed Jesus to the cross as surely as the sins of any child killer, terrorist, or tyrant. Let's be thankful that we're not getting what we deserve. If God is big enough to save Dodd, he's big enough to save me. Hopefully none of us are died, and yet our sin is the same. And so no matter what we've done, we need a Savior. And no matter what we've done, Christ is able to save all we have to do is place our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. In John 1, 12, it says that to all who receive and who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. And so this morning, as we wrap up, I want to know what we've done with those lessons. Do we find ourselves in the family of God? Are you living faithful? If so, Keep it up. Don't let down your guard. Keep living for Jesus. Maybe you feel like a failure. I'm here to tell you today that the grace of God can cover all of your failure and all of your sins. Give your life to Jesus and live for Him. Or maybe you feel forgotten. And that's okay. Keep clinging to Jesus. You never know how God is using you as a part of His redemptive plan. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity to share. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that um, you're, you've promised that your word will not return void. God, I, uh, I'm sorry for the times that I've come to a list of names like this list, and I've just skimmed over it. God, I thank you for teaching me that uh, there's there's a reason and there's things to learn even from a list of names. And God, I pray that um, as we've looked at this passage of Scripture together, whether we feel uh, like we're a faithful person or whether we feel like we're forgotten or maybe we know that there's failure uh, that are in our lives, God, I pray that um, 
through a study of your this passage of scripture through your word that um, you remind us that your grace is sufficient for us and God if there's people that are listening today that have never called upon Jesus God I pray that even today that they would surrender their lives and their will uh, to Christ that they would know that uh, Christ has given them the, the right to be called children of God God as we uh, continue uh, next week as we continue through our study of Exodus God I pray that we would continue to see the evidence of your grace and your uh, work in the lives of the people that we study in scripture and God I pray that uh, we also see the evidence of your grace and your work in the lives and in our lives as we go throughout our day to day God I thank you again for this opportunity I pray that you would uh, be with us each as we go throughout uh, the rest of the week it's in your name we pray